Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. This is the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael. To my right is Mr. Tony DeSero. What up? Across from me is Mr. Trip Turlington. Yes, sir. Who has gone to the dark side. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) I'm looking at a crispy new MacBook over there. Yeah, yeah. Or new to me, anyway. New to you. (laughs) Yeah. So you finally decided to actually go through with it. I did. I did. And um, it was... It, it was painful for me, you know, it was it was one of those things that was just, you know, I spent so many years, you know, anti Apple. And then you I was know, just going to ask, was it painful because of a mental block or are you just talking about the actual transition of platforms? All, 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 yeah. all of the above. Yeah. Uh, so I spent so many years being anti Apple. And then like over the years, you know, you kind of, you know, uh stop caring or become more pragmatic, you know, about the whole thing, you know, whatever works for somebody, you know, fine, you know, use, use whatever platform works for you and whatever your workflow is. And then like, uh, you know, as I said in a previous, uh, episode, you know, I just had so many issues with windows 10 that it all just kind of kept culminating and it was making me more and more frustrated and all of that. So like, you know, I, I've been researching it for a little while and then, you know, bugging all of you guys and (laughs) Jack and a couple of other friends and just, you know, after I did all of my research and then, um, yeah, after the last major thing and then the podcast and then I said, okay, it's time to pull. What made you anti Apple? Uh, just probably part of it was, uh, the, the setup of the ecosphere, because me as a techie guy, I like to get into the guts of things, you know? So mm-hmm. like, you know, with windows, if you know what you're doing, you can get in there and you can do a lot of techie stuff, you know, and, and really, uh, uh, get into like the way things are set up, the way things are organized, the way things talk to each other, you know, you can tweak drivers, you can, you know, you can really mess things up really bad or make (laughs) things work really cool. (laughs) That's Um, the trade off though. It's like, you you don't have to, you know, but I I completely get that coming from the the same kind of background. Sometimes I just want to get in and and get into the guts and tweak stuff. Yeah. I think you'll find Mac OS has gotten pretty good with that too. I mean, you can do any kind of hack and slash stuff that you want on its, you know, it's kind of Unix underbelly. Sure, sure. Uh, not so much iOS. <laughs> right, right. The iOS versus Android, that's a huge contrast. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, So you bought used? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, mostly because, the you refurb. know. Yeah, so, and mostly because for what I'm going to use this for is a desktop and laptop replacement, which means mm. that it also becomes the center of my production studio. So, you know, it's not just going to run Serato. I could have probably gotten half the specs and still been fine as far as Serato is concerned. But So you're kind of choosing um, one that's been you that's a couple years old that has high specs rather than a low spec brand new one. Exactly. Your, yeah, I yeah, got gotcha. you. Yeah. And when I looked, because when I looked at the brand new ones with the touch strip and all of that stuff, man, when I, when I maxed those first, out, no, oh, $3,200, I was like, Oh, and, and, you know, for everybody out there who's, who's been pro Apple and is pro Apple and, you know, has no problem with the price, <laughs> you know, for, for a guy cro- just now crossing the line, that that's a painful <laughs> sticker shock. I'll say I've been pro Apple for a 
long time, and I've I've never been okay with the price. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not a big techie guy either, but most people's concerns are the price when they see the Mac, and they sure. say, "Well, it's valid. what can this Mac do that this PC can't do?" Right. Yeah. So well, and that was and that was always uh, another bullet point for me is that you know for um, for the specs that are on this thing, you know, I've got a laptop sitting behind me with the exact same specs, it's just yeah. a different operating system. Um, and then, you know, my production PC, uh, you know, is i7, 32 gigs of RAM, um, you know, a, a high-end motherboard. Um, it's a beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid-state drives, I mean, the whole nine yards. And um, I think I built it, you know, all in over, uh, over the course of three or four years, all in less than... Eighteen hundred dollars, yeah. you know. So, and that's that's after swapping some parts out, you know, because you know, like I said, I'm kind of techie. So, like, if I get a part and I don't like it or I don't like the way it works or I find something better that I like, then I sell the old part and get the newer part. You know? <laughs> so, by the time it's all said and done, you know, I've probably got somewhere between fifteen and eighteen into it. Yeah. So, um, so are you selling the desktop PC yeah, once yeah. you once you fully transitioned? I think so. Yeah, because so yeah, so that's you know here we are. I think it's day three. <laughs> I got it on Thursday. Today. This is a fresh one. Yeah, this is. <laughs> I got it on Thursday, and it is now Saturday, and 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 having not even stress tested it yet. So just no, I haven't even fired up Ableton. Um, I have fired up Serato. Um, and just, you know, kind of getting used to the platform and figuring out where everything is. But man, I got to tell you, it's, it, it's, it's a nice machine. I mean, it, it, it feels nice. It's half the weight of my other laptop, but it's the same size, you know, same size screen. The retina display is gorgeous. Like, well, glad you're getting along with it, man. It's, uh, I mean, that's that's a lot of coin to to take our word for it. Well, you know, so. but you know what? I, I I have to I have to big up Gazelle.com. Mm. Honestly, that's where I bought mine. It's it was a Apple, uh, you know, Apple. They say that Apple refurbishes them or or you know uh, does, a certified a certified thing. Yeah, yeah. Or so like yeah, um, but it's a. Uh, so I got 2015 maxed out specs when I got it. I couldn't tell it from, you know, a brand new machine out of the box. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it so far. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll check in, you know, give me a couple of weeks to check back in. I hate this thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for our main topic today, I had this idea to revisit old topics that were from when Passionate DJ Podcast first launched. Um, when you guys weren't on the team and we couldn't actually have these kind of roundtable discussions about them. And one of our fairly popular episodes is actually all the way back in episode two, <laughs> which was uh, how to build buzz instead of hype and right. why. Yeah. So of, what you're saying is, it's, it's the, the remix. It's the remix. <laughs> That's right. This is episode two, the remix. <laughs> nice. Or like episode two, Passionate DJ teams, super hyperactive ninja re edit, rub, re rub, yeah, <laughs> dub version, right. whatever. Um, so I thought it would be kind of a, it's an important topic, um, and I guess probably where we should start with that is figuring out what what is it that I mean when I say buzz versus hype, like why why are those different? And to me, it's kind of has to do with the direction that it's going. So in other words, 
building buzz is like building anticipation. It's started by you personally or whoever's doing the promotion. But it's uh, it's fueled by other people. So you light the spark and other people promote it because it's awesome. You know what I mean? Right. To me, that's what buzz is. It's other people buzzing in the background, in the noise. As, you know, other people are talking about this. It's not just you, you know... This differs from hype, which is like me shouting in and crowded. It's fire! Room. Yeah, check it's fire! Out. Check out my, my mix. mix. Check out my mix. It's like check the word on the street. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, buzz is inbound. Others do the work of promoting your product because they like, know, and trust it. Um, as opposed to hype, which is like empty self-promotion with no substance. So that's how I kind of separate the two. It's more outbound, like shouting how amazing you are to a crowded room that's the analogy so sure one thing that i brought up in the original episode was that the origin of the word buzz used in this way was uh a busy rumor that's what the the noun that that comes from which is that's what you want you know when you're promoting a big show you want a busy rumor kind of you want people chatting oh look did you hear about the thing with the stuff right, you know you right. want everybody talking amongst themselves about it um, conversely, hype comes from a noun meaning to trick or swindle. Mm. So it's it's that's why I say it's empty outward promotion. Yep, it's, yep. Come look how awesome I am without anything to back that up. So what I wanted to do is take a couple clips from that old episode and use those as points to talk about you know recommendations on how to build buzz and right. how to do that in a way that's not empty hype. Seem fair enough? Absolutely. Sure. All right, cool. So the first tip that I had was a pretty simple one, but it's a pretty important one, and that's just to work hard. What? <laughs> work hard. You talent, mean you, you mean talent's not enough? Talent is not enough. <laughs> Even who you know matters, but is not enough. Right. I mean, it, it comes down to being able to not just work hard occasionally, but be constantly working hard. Right. Right. So right. let's go ahead and go to this clip. It's not that difficult to find a competent DJ or a producer who can crank out a decent track or a promoter who is capable of throwing an event. What's hard to find is people who are willing to work hard. Talent is not enough anymore. You've got to be a hard worker and you've got to take that extra step or that extra set of steps to make yourself and your product or your brand or whatever it is stand out. So I think what this kind of comes down to is kind of a recurring theme that we talk about a lot where the, the accessibility of information and hardware and music and, it, you know, that stuff is readily available to everybody who wants it now. Right. That whole barrier of entry thing. Right. It's actually readily available to even people who don't want it. Like exactly. It's, it's, it's everywhere and it, and, and it can become noise. Yeah. So you, got, you have to set the bar higher to right. stand out, right? Right. I mean, that's... If everybody's a competent DJ, then who cares? You know what right. I mean? If, right. if it's just this baseline average DJ, then you're not going to stand out for any reason, even if today's average DJ can crank out a pretty decent mix. Right. You know? Right. Uh, DJ, producer, promoter, whatever context you want to put that in. Right. Uh, the next idea is something that we've been kind of chatting about on the show, and that's to find your ambassadors. And the reason we've been talking about that is because we've been working on this ambassador program that we're going to be launching here in a few weeks. 
uh, that Modingo, who's not with us currently, um, is going to be heading that up. Basically, the whole idea is to find those at whatever scale you're at, whether it's your 1,000 true fans Mm -hmm. or you're just your 5 or 10 hardcore supporters. Find out who those people are because those people are like everything to building whatever it is that you're trying to build. Right. That is your audience. I mean, it's you have an audience when you're actively playing in the room with you, but this is your audience. This is your fan club. Right, right. Know. That creates the buzz. Exactly. It, it, yeah, that, that, that becomes ground zero for everything that you want to build. You know, because it, it starts with a handful of people and it may be just, Always. It, it may only be, you know, a couple of close friends that you, you party with on the regular or, you know, or whatever. But, you know, sometimes it, that's that's where or it almost always is where that starts, you know, and uh, once you can impress those people around you, then they go around and talk about you like you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then that is what will start creating the buzz rather than the hype. Because if you got to tell everybody how awesome you are, then nobody wants to be told how awesome you are by the person who's trying to tell you. Like there's, there's, there's a little bit more credibility in hearing from multiple people. I think we've actually touched on that a few times, you know, especially when we talk about like how to get booked by promoters, you know, it's not just, shaking the hands with the promoter and saying, here's a link to my mix or here's a CD of my mix. And, you know, how can I, you know, help you in, I mean, all of those things help, you know, and, and how can I help you with your parties and, and, and be a part of the scene and all of that, all of that stuff helps. But, you know, as a former promoter myself, one of the top things that actually got me booking people would be, you know, who else is talking like, who is everybody talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it, you know, what's the word on the street and who's, you know, who's been playing a lot, who are people liking, who's coming to Buzz. see. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, you know, when, when you deal with something like, uh, a smaller scene, you know, or a tight knit scene, you know, the, the, the cream rises to the top pretty mm. quick. Yeah. We'll go to the clip now. Find those those ten people or or five people. Keep doing things, putting out events or putting out products or whatever it is that you do, and find those five or ten people who really like it and enjoy it and support you and come out to your events or download your albums and give you real feedback on it. Those are your ambassadors. Right now, you live for them. Make them kind of part of your team, whether you say that's what you're doing or not contact those people directly thank them for coming out to your events or listening to your album directly you know don't be generic and send out email blasts actually contact these people if they're your friends call them or send them a text thank them for what they've done make them feel important because they are they are very important to what it is that you're doing or the brand that you're building if you want to call it that because once you get those people on board that's where the buzz comes from and it just starts happening when you get those those ambassadors those true fans of what it is that you're doing or or those i say fans they don't even have to be fans in the traditional sense just those people that are on board with what you're doing and that see eye to eye with you you know buzz is personal when when people hear other third parties talking about music or an event or whatever it is 
people take it a lot more seriously when it comes from somebody they know talking about something that they're not directly involved in. That means they're just talking about it because it rocks. People expect you to blast your own stuff and talk about how awesome it is, and nobody's going to be like, uh, download my mix, it kind of sucks. Hearing it from a third party is just much more personal and believable. Once you get those ambassadors on board, then the idea is to put yourself in a position where people want to come to you because you've got something to offer them. You're valuable to them in some way. You know, throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks is not the way to build buzz or a fan base. That's just random shouting. You know, that's shouting louder. It's it's much better to have even 10 people that are completely on board and will listen to anything you put out and go to any event and support any events that you put on or whatever it is. It's better to have 10 of those than to have a thousand generic people who like your Facebook page or follow you on Twitter or on your SoundCloud that don't really give a crap. I would take those 10 people over the thousand any day. You know, as a, as a promoter, and somebody who throws shows now, the, that, that type of buzz will definitely have me at least research the person and look mm. deeper into the person. But at the same time, you know, don't, don't think for a second that I, I'm not going to also rely on your talent. Oh, sh- for sure. Makes, for sure. You, you know what I mean? But that's... That's because I, you're a good promoter. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, and I don't even want to say... It, it may be different for a mobile mm-hmm. DJ or, you know, somebody of a, uh, that's going to play a different style of show. But yeah, I'm definitely going to, if it's a, if it's a weekly, you know, like a, an EDM Tuesday or something like that, you know, sure. Okay. But you know, the, some of the shows that we do when we really have to research, cause somebody could have, again, have somebody a lot could of have, money into a show. Somebody right, could have yeah. 15,000 followers and you know, wow, that's great. But at the same time, if I put you up on the decks and, you know, you sound like two shoes in a dryer, that's, you know, the crowd that comes into our shows actually know those things and are going to look at us as promoters like, dude, what did you, why did you book this person? <laughs> you know? And, and so don't your company, Three Dimensional specifically, is great at generating buzz. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that's what you guys do. Mm-hmm. You know, this every time that there's a big show announcement, you tease it a little bit. And then you make a, a big launch. You make a big to do of the launch. One good one. One good thing that we do um, is, you know, we every time we have a show, we we create a Facebook message with all the DJs and the message and everything, you know. Yeah. And we we keep those messages. And when it's time to launch another show, um, because we took care of those DJs and and when they came in, and you know, we we have a good. Uh, uh, Rapport. Rapport. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we go to launch a show, even if they're not on that show, they still help us with that launch, you know. So, um, yeah, and we just. In that, you know, for that particular that event, those mm-hmm. are your ambassadors. That's what yeah. we're talking they about. They help create yeah, the that's, buzz. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, because as one of those ambassadors for three dimensional, like, absolutely, whether I'm on a show or not, you know, because I believe in what we do. Mm-hmm. At three dimensional, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's absolutely amazing 
you know, that even people who aren't directly involved with three dimensional, you know, because it's one thing to say, okay, well, I got, you know, however many people that, you know, I've had on shows or that are part of the crew or whatever. And then, you know, when it's time to launch, well, then, yeah, these are going to be the people that are going to do it because they're obligated to. Mm -hmm. And that's not what it is. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what it comes back to the, the, the ambassadors. You know, whether it's for you, for three dimensional, for or for any of our listeners that have that core five, 10, 15, 2500 people, you know, whatever it may be, when you're ready to drop something and then you organize those people, you get them excited about it and then they want to do it because they yeah. want to see you succeed. They want to help you succeed. They want to be part of your success. And that's and 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 that's, you know, where when you become invested in something that you believe in, then that's, yeah. that, that's, that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And, and the thing that I really like about the way three-dimensional does it, the way that you describe is because you make such a to-do, such an event of the launch, like mm-hmm. you contact 20 people ahead of time and you say, hey, we're launching at, like you call it that, we're mm-hmm. launching at noon on Monday or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And and that's exactly how it's treated. It's treated like a launch. It's yep. it's a thing that happens at noon, right. and everybody know who's secretly in on it knows to launch it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what ends up happening? Is We're giving up that, all of Tony's trade secrets now. Yeah, like, <laughs> you, okay. edit out as much as you want. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> I mean, but, it's not rocket science. Sure, but but the cool thing about doing it that way is that it gets you around the. Uh, it, it helps you with the, for example, the Facebook algorithm, mm-hmm. because when you have that launch and you have 20, 30, 40 people it hits, day of it hits launch those, it. It hits those people. Uh, we all get assaulted by it. Yeah. <laughs> and it know? hits and everybody organically. Right. We don't have to throw it's a bunch of money buzz. into an advertisement. It's a buzz. And, and one thing that we used to do back in the rave day that... Um, it's not really done anymore. We did it for um, for the next show that we launched uh, that we're launching in April, um, but we did. Do you, you remember the post I put out? It said mark your calendars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. But yeah. back in the rave days, there was a a month before <clears throat> any headliner was put on the show. There was just a generic flyer, a, a save the date flyer, pre flyers, you know, a yeah. pre flyer yeah. to yeah. an actual flyer that was a month before the flyer even came out. So it, you know. It created a lot of buzz, and and that's what we did with this, the last show, you know, the launch. It was, and that yeah. was that. I mean, that's a great point. I mean, I can remember, you know, it, you know, the pre flyers were always awesome because it it, it got you wondering, like, it, you know, it was one thing if just some DIY company who's never really thrown a big show, you know, decided, okay, you know, it's three, four, five people who all, you know, bring a, a couple grand in and then they, they're going to do this big show and it's a one-off and everybody goes their separate ways. Yeah, sure, a pre-flyer, uh, you know, Joe Schmo Productions is, you know, coming on, you know, May the 1st, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. But when it was, you know, bounce theory or if it was in the groove or if it was CBS or mm-hmm. you know when Justice it was this crew and exactly crews. like when it, when when it was a crew that was established and you know uh and all of a sudden you know you're at you know uh, a club head party mm-hmm. you know and then you get a bounce theory pre-flyer mm. and you were at a bounce theory show just a couple of months before that was dope Oh man, this flyer looks awesome, and you know, and then there's you know the info lines. Remember oh, info lines? Great. God, those were, were off. 
<laughs> do I need to say hyper real? Like <laughs> rave trash.com. Like, um, but, uh, no, I mean, and that was, that was something that didn't carry over as well in the digital, uh, in the digitalization of the marketing for EDM style stuff is a lot of that hype got lost because people got lazy mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm saying that as a blanket statement in general, but you know, well, people say, got, Oh, I used to have to go out and hang flyers on every street corner. Now I can just post it on my, my what was that? MySpace had my MySpace. <laughs> what was the little feed? Remember the, <laughs> the wall, yeah, the, the wall, <laughs> wasn't it? Uh, uh, it was Facebook that had the wall. What was the MySpace thing? Uh, I bulletin. The bulletin, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. A MySpace bulletin. I don't right. have to go out and hand out flyers anymore. Exactly. And, and that not realizing that, hey, everybody else is doing that too. Exactly. <laughs> I and, remember and, a sheet. And email, an email. So you went from, you know, physically handing flyers to people and developing those relationships or, you know, even just developing that that familiar face kind of, you know, connection with people. Like, I, you know, if I was out there handing out flyers, I don't know everybody's name, but I remembered faces. Mm. And then when, you know, they saw me, oh, yeah, I saw yeah. them and I saw that. And, and so then, you know, over time. It's a person, not a name or an avatar. Yeah, and you yeah. may never, ever remember that person's name. You could put, <laughs> I'm sure there's 2,000 people. You could line up in front of me right now. I'll remember their face. <laughs> I may not remember what party. I may not remember their name, but I remember their face, you know, yeah. because I either handed them a flyer <laughs> 500 times or you know, whatever, but yeah, I mean, and th- and that's getting back to you know that that whole thing about the ambassadors, like that's that that transition out of you know that that human connection and the organic you know uh, growth of the buzz, you know, it all got lost in that in that digitalization of everything and. That's something that we need to get back to, even if it's still using digital tools. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, I mean, let's face it, that's not going away. Um, and a lot of people now are more introverted, so they don't yeah. like if you try to hand people a flyer, they oh. kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, they, they think just, you're going to ask them for a dollar right after you hand them a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, it, I, I think the, the, the balance is, is to find those people that will. Um, that will definitely market on your behalf with whatever tools that they have among the organic networks that they already have, because yeah. then that's how, that's how you sow those roots. Well, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, our friend, Mike Donovan, when it comes to this, uh, oh, when it comes to building buzz digitally. Absolutely. Um, because very, very good at it. Yep. Yeah. He, he launches in a little different manner than three dimensional. What his, his approach is, it's almost like trickle mm-hmm. marketing. Yeah, you know he has this. Go back to um, episode seventy-eight where we interview Mike Donovan, and talk, uh, he talks about his volume series, and it's just really neat because he cre- he he's created this whole brand package, and uh, you know, he's a designer. He's the guy responsible for all of our graphics. So he's uh, this is what he does. That's his bread and butter, and so he uses all that skill to promote his shows so that all of his shows launch and you see the flyer and you know exactly that, you know, this is a volume show, you know, it popped up in a new color than the last one. I know Mm -hmm. this is a new show, right? He comes up with these two weeks away and one week away graphics and these artist spotlights and that kind of stuff. And so that, that kind of trickle marketing 
really helps that storytelling style mm-hmm. of marketing to people is what really works on social right and also helps get around the facebook algorithm squashing problem yeah because at least you, a, a couple people are seeing it every time <laughs> right 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 yeah because i i mean and you know in in the festival like vein of everything like you know it, it's i guess if, if what you're into are the you know the you know, 15 day festivals with 8,400 headliners. And, you know, they try to cram everybody onto one, you know, sheet in the smallest type possible, except for (laughs) your top 18 headliners are all at the top. And then, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, to me that, that feels like noise and maybe it's because I don't, I'm not a big festival goer, you know, and I don't spend that kind of money to go to very many festivals. Um, you know, but you know, what you just said, the whole storytelling aspect, I think that's one of the other things that kind of gets lost because, you know, at the decline of the rave scene here in the Midwest, I can remember one thing that we said all the time was we have to be educating the new ravers coming in. You know, we have to be educating them on how we did things so that maybe they won't do it exactly the same way we did, Mm. but they'll at least take those lessons and, and pay them forward. You know, and, and there's do a lot of culture there. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stories to be told about that. Right. And that's and that's why we dedicate so much time on this show to talking about uh, right. it. Right. And one of the things that we did through our flyers was we 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 did a lot of education to who headliners were, the accomplishments they had, genres, you know, in general, mm-hmm. you know, um and and history of of you know of crews, you know, so like it, it, back in the day, it was nothing to find, you know, a full, you know, fold, you know, four page fold out flyer that poster size. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That like if, and, and if it had 12 DJs on it, you know, you could, you have fit that on web page. Sure. But you know, instead it was, you know, here's a small bio about all of your locals. Here's a slightly larger bio and picture of all of your regions. Now people barely read. Right. They just look yeah. at it like, look at the headliner. No, oh, cool. Such and such is going to be there and they're done with it. Right, right. And that's why I think uh, going back to, to volume and Mike's style, I think that's why it works so well because his is a constant stream of micro content. Right. Mm-hmm. It's right. two weeks away and that's all this graphic is about. That's all you have to know. All you have to do is see that colorful graphic that says that. Right. And if it's something that you've seen before, it's a branding that you recognize, then you, it, it sticks and that's all you needed. And you yeah. can fly right past it on your feet if you want. Right. You, right. Know? you have like a half a second to catch somebody's attention these days. I don't know <laughs> much about uh, Facebook. You, you know more about the ads and stuff like that. But um, the way Billy kind of explained it to me, was to your business partner my business partner were three-dimensional yeah if um the more words and writing that's on an actual flyer the less people see it yes even if it's a even, even if there's writing on said dj's shirt really yeah yep. yeah it's it's cons- yeah it's Everything's got to be the tweetable version. That's what I'm yeah. always telling myself when I'm blogging, when I'm you know writing promotional posts, any of that stuff, emails. Yeah. It's give them the most important couple of sentences. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. That's interesting about the shirt. <laughs> right? I mean, I, 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 most of my wardrobe it, it, is, is pretty plain anyway. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty much a jeans and a black T-shirt kind of guy anyway. But. I want to say it was maybe the craze flyer, I think. 
because yeah. Craze had something on his on T-shirt. His t-shirt yeah. And Nathaniel, which manages Therapy Cafe, which uh, Therapy Cafe is that yeah. hosts uh, the volume First Friday, or we used to do our First Fridays, and then that's where Mike Donovan does his uh, his volume Deep House shows. Um, but he had told me, because Craze had something on his shirt, that it was it was really the, uh, it threw the whole algorithm off of that being able to be posted in front of specific people's eyes. It's crazy how they <laughs> yeah. how, how all that comes into play, isn't it? <laughs> all right, next tip is don't fear scarcity. In fact, not only don't fear scarcity, but embrace it. Scarcity as in uh basically talking about niching it down. Okay. So, uh well here, we'll just play the clip. We pitched this idea to them, hey, how about we play some kind of jazzy, down-tempo dance music to fill this other niche? And nobody's doing anything like that around my city. And I think some people were afraid to do it because they're like, nobody's doing that. There must not be a market for it. Well, the problem is everybody says that, and they don't find the market, and they keep repeating what other people are doing, and then it waters down the whole thing. I mean, if we were running 10 electronic nights on a Tuesday that wouldn't really accomplish anything except spreading people out. Don't be afraid of scarcity. Scarcity is how you find how you find audiences, how you, f- you know, pull people out of the woodwork. So it's just the idea of specializing. Oh of, yeah. You know, not everything has to be what's working somewhere else. You know, Man. at some point you've got to take a step out of out of that box to find a new audience. I've got a perfect use case in that uh, for that. So, um when I was a when I was heavy into promoting, um, I I ran a uh, a crew with a buddy of mine uh, called In the Groove Productions, and um, my partner's name there was uh, Jason Brooks, aka Naughty Groove, and um, you know we had done a whole bunch of rave parties. You know we're talking club nights. I mean we we did. You know we ran the full gamut, but one of the most unique things that we were able to pull off were these things called boat parties, you know, so for where Cincinnati is, it's right on the Ohio River. And there was a company that had these bi-level party boats. And what we were able to do was take, you know, sometimes just one or sometimes two, link them together and then load them up with a bunch of sound and turntables and mixers and DJs and party people and and uh, yeah. go out and cruise the Ohio River for four to six hours, you know, and, and everybody's, you know, getting wasted and, and dancing and having a good time, right? And the first, like, couple of years, you know, the first year it was just, you know, launching. So, like, you know, it, it, it was growing and it grew mm-hmm. exponentially and it was great. But that second to third year were some of the best years that 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 series ever saw because it was the new it was the it was the big thing and that's where you know, I mean it was great there's and, a reason for people to buzz about that it's right. not the same thing that's happening around the corner right. this is on a boat on a river exactly so but you know over time you know it's not it becomes novelty and it and right. it's just this thing that like so yeah it's our unique twist on the whole rave thing and and EDM and all of that stuff but you know eventually people stop seeing the value in paying you know 30% more at the door mm. to be on a boat <laughs> you know yeah. and uh but you know Jason and I because we enjoyed doing it so much we kept doing it and we kept saturating every season with it Mm. and you know 
because of that, over time, I'd say well into our eighth, ninth, tenth year, like then we were really struggling to even remotely break even. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the time our break even point was 150 to 200 people. And if we got 100 people, we were lucky, you know, so, you know, we were we were struggling and it was like, man. All right. And so just out of necessity, because we couldn't afford to keep doing that, you know, we got to a point where we were saying, okay, instead of doing five or six a year, maybe we should just do three. And then it went from three to two and then from two to one. And when we were just doing one a year, then all of a sudden we were doing like 200, 250 people (laughs) (laughs) because, you know, I don't think that we were ever going to get the four to 500 people back, you know, back when it was the biggest thing because it was a different time. It was a different, you know, climate, but for the current climate, you know, anywhere between two and 300 people was a good night for us, you know? And if we were only doing one party a year, then we were hitting it. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's the a point scarcity. that I didn't yeah. put down here, or a clip that I didn't pull, but that might be worth mentioning is uh, knowing when it's when you're overdoing it, or right. knowing when to quit. Right, right. Um, because if you're if you're constantly not generating buzz, then that's a sign, right? Right. right. Um, that it might not be time to quit. Could be time to do something different. Time the, to right. change it up. That was the hardest thing about us doing our first Friday, and that was once a month. Yeah. You know, it, it it was it was great when it first started. You know, numbers slowly trickled down and slowly trickled down. You know, it didn't get too too bad by any means, but it didn't increase. Yeah. You know, and it was an every month thing, and it was a, it was a great thing, but you know. But three dimensionals brand is kind of these big these big deal. What what are they going to do next? And mm-hmm. it, it almost maybe it just didn't fit with the uh, with what's exciting about three dimensional. Right. right. Yeah. We we kind of outgrew it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and and you don't want to hang on to something that could end up looking yeah, bad. Being a, yeah, being yeah. A, a a black mark or a, yeah. A, yeah, hurting your brand mm-hmm. that could end up hurting your brand later down the road by, you know while the numbers may still be there from a break-even standpoint and the bar is happy, mm-hmm. you know, then, okay, cool. But, you know, for a three-dimensional show that's used to, you know, bringing in X amount of people for all of these bigger shows, but then people, you know, are thinking about the last first Friday that might have only, you know, brought 150, 100 to 150 people to therapy, mm-hmm. you know, but then when you're bringing, you know, this huge headliner, you know, you're going to need more than 150 right. people. <laughs> yeah. And that's something that we talked about with the owner too. Right. And you know, we just, we, we outgrew the place. Yeah. We outgrew the first Friday. I wanted to focus more on the big shows, maybe doing a few a year because yeah. mm. you know, it was, it was after green velvet is when I, when I realized I, you know, I, I took a look around and I'm Dayton, Ohio, green velvet's playing a four hour set. It's four in the morning and people are still going off. We did, you know, 500 people. Right. There's no reason to look back. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. All right. The next tip is to actually, Tony, you brought this one up either last week or week before. And this I is did? understand perceived value. And I'll show you what I'm talking about here in the clip. Okay. Charge for your product or your event, or at least consider it. A lot of people do free events, or they play free shows, or they give away albums for free. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but consider charging for whatever it is that you're offering and make it worth paying for. I think the reason a lot of people are afraid to charge for something is they think it's not worth anything. 
if you're offering something that's not worth anything, what's the point? Why are you even doing it? You should not be afraid to charge for something or charge cover or charge for an album if it's worth paying for. A lot of people find it odd to charge for digital products, which applies to, to us as DJs or producers a lot. Uh, you know, if we're charging for MP3 files, it just seems weird to charge for kind of intellectual property or information instead of I'm selling you this keyboard or this car. It's not a physical item. And when he, you know, the thing that's important to keep in mind about that is that people immediately value something more when they have to pay for it. A lot of times when you give something away for free, it's immediately devalued and people don't really pay it any attention. There's a lot of power in, in free stuff, and don't get me wrong on that. Just remember that people automatically assign personal value to something and how much people charge for it immediately factors in their brain when they're taking that into consideration. That last part is what I was talking about. You would brought that up where people people immediately assume something is worth more. They assign more personal value to something when they have shelled they see out a higher cash, ticket. Or they see a higher ticket mm -hmm. price, right. Um, so the difference between even take the same headliner and charge $5 versus $20 and immediately, even whether they know the headliner or not, there's a, there's a mental mm -hmm. process that happens there where you, you automatically calculate value and oh, this, this is a big deal. They're charging $20 for this. Right. It might not be an active thought that you have, but it, it, it's got to factor in, right? Right. Absolutely. I, have a, uh, I actually have a friend online, and it, it has nothing to do with DJing, but he's, uh, he sells dogs, um, puppies mm. online, and he has a puppy for this price. They're English Bulldogs, I believe, and he has a puppy for this price. There's not really much difference between them, but when people see it online that this one is 3000 and this one is 2500 but when you're spending $2,500, what's an extra $500? Because you want the best thing anyway, you know what right, I mean? Right. But it, it, realistically, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And people automatically see that and think that there's a better value in the higher priced, whatever guess, it is, you know. Right. Yeah. I guess this could shoot you in the you could shoot yourself in the foot with this too and you know mm -hmm. if you charge $40 for a not so well-known headliner <laughs> then you'll get the wrong kind of buzz <laughs> right know? right talking about well this is ridiculous Ooh, right yeah it kind of depends on what your what your end game is too like if i mean are you are you are you aiming to make money and if so then it, the the key is knowing you know the 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 price equilibrium right, you know right, what exactly. what, are, what are you trying to what are you trying to offer and what is it actually worth and and you know what's it what what's the low or what's the highest price your customer you know will pay for it versus what's the uh lowest price that you're willing to give it away for <laughs> um but if money's not the motivator you know because a lot of the 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 guys that are out there that give away music for free a lot of those producers if you look at it they they're not just giving away music for free mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're giving away music for free and then some personal information you know like pretty lights for example right um he he was really good at 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 his whole thing where he gave away he, he still gives away all of his albums and when you go to your when you go to his website and you have to sign up, you know, so you got to give up an email address, you got to give up a name, you got to yep. give up, you know, it's just some basic personal information. But then 
you know, he's now got a database of how many thousands of people. And there, there's some value to that because then, you know, depending on how far you want to run your analytics and how much information that, you know, your, your people are willing to, you know, give up, you know, then you can really do some creative marketing and targeted marketing and all of that stuff. And sometimes that's worth its weight in gold as well. But do you do it yourself and it be hype? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, speaking of points, <laughs> the next point is to leverage your connections. Everybody's got connections, whether they realize it or not. We live in this world of six degrees of separation. You see this a lot on Facebook. You get a friend request, and then you check your mutual friends. And you're like, how in the world do you know this person from my high school? You're not even in the same state. You know, it's, it's this, you know, everyone knows someone who knows someone who knows someone else. And every single one of those interactions is an opportunity to build buzz for your brand or product or event. That's much different than spamming them. Remember, we're talking buzz, not hype. And hype, I tend to think of hype as being on the spammy spectrum of things. We want to get very targeted people on board with this and have them promote our product for us. So it, it's nice to think that um, you will always get the amount of kudos and money and everything that you deserve for the amount of talent, what you have to offer, but that's not the only part of the story. It really, you know, there is something to, it's who you know. Right. So your net worth is as big as your network. Exactly. So, I mean, even just in this room, I mean, we're, we're constantly leveraging each other and each other's contacts yep. for mutual interest, you know, yep. and we happen to have been able to build a friendship around that, right. you know, which right. is the ideal <laughs> situation, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, so, for example, with Passionate DJ Podcast, you know, I've talked to Tony and he's worked with the, you know, the stuff that you've got going on with Three Dimensional in mm -hmm. order to kind of cross the streams a little bit right mm -hmm. so we've got the the disco donnie interview that we did last year and the egyptian lover interview that we did that last year mm -hmm. you know egyptian lover came about because you booked him mm -hmm. and you know we was like hey he would be a great person to talk to and he was down and it worked out you know right um disco donnie you used to work with back in the day mm -hmm. and he had a lot of interesting things to share you know so you know that's one way that that i've leveraged my network you know is you just happen to be a really good friend of mine but also one of the most connected people that I know, you know, and that's just one of the things that, that you can do to, to generate that buzz because once, once, as I, once I access your network and then you access Trip's network and then, you know, it just goes down the line, if each of those really connected people tells, if only one of them tells one important person, it could make all the difference. You Absolutely. Know? Right. One key person that brings 100 people to your event or... <laughs> posts it to the right social media page or, or whatever. And, and once again, you know, we're talking buzz. We're ta not talking about being spammy and, and har harassing people into, you know, share my mix because you're connected. Right. Or you know, well, that, right. be that respectful. person that's of, posting your stuff that believes in your stuff and what it is that you're doing, yeah, regardless right. if it's, you know, somebody from Dayton, Ohio, or Disco Donnie extraordinaire. Right, right. right. You know, it, it's... Yeah, because to that point, I mean, there's... I mean, even you know, at, at, at the stage that I'm at and all of this stuff, like to me still to this day, there's nothing that gets me more invested other than content. 
but there's nothing more that gets me more invested in the content than a trusted member of my network that says, Hey, have you heard of such and such? Or have you ever heard of da da da? And no, I sure haven't. And it's then much they, different when it comes from a trusted soul. Well, right. Mm-hmm. And when it, when, yeah. so when Amen. that happens, I mean, yeah, what, then all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, I really dig that. Who is that? And so yeah. what, then, you know, how do we leverage that person and how, how can we help them? How can they help us? And, you know, how does, how do we, you know, create a, a mutually agreeable, mutually beneficial relationship and, 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 you know, rock a spot. We, we've <laughs> actually booked a couple people. I mean, specifically, um, uh, Zach Hill, Tangled Branches. David had him at at his show mm-hmm. and he opened up David's show and I just happened to be sitting there listening to him. I was like, wow, man, this guy's really good. Right. And knowing that David, yeah. yeah, knowing that David booked him, he's, he's good people, you know? Right. So we got to talking and he, you know, it, it all came from the network. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just like when you, um, talking about the trusted source thing. I mean, if, if there's a particular, artist that I've never heard of and either say three dimensional books them or let's even say we're going to Detroit. I can even, yeah. Nicole Mudaber. Nicole Mudaber. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of years ago, I had, I, I won't say I hadn't heard of her, but I wasn't really, I didn't know anything yep, about right, her. I had right. a couple of her tracks, but I didn't know much about her as a DJ. And we went to Detroit and Tony's like, are you going to go see Nicole? I was like, yeah, I've always been interested. I just, I don't know much about her. He's like, you're going to go see Nicole. <laughs> even, even, uh, Tommy penguin, like all oh, of them yeah. went over to the main oh, stage yeah. and came back and we're just like, Whew. and yeah. I mean, it, it was awesome. I mean, best, best set of the night probably. It was, I mean, it was just an amazing time. And, and because I, I know what Tony's into and I trust his judgment on that stuff, I was immediately sold. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. You know, it's that same thing works with with brands, with yep. music, you know, yep. any kind of recommendation when it comes from somebody, you know, like trust. It's a lot better than seeing, you know, random dude who is on your friends list because you, you both DJ, but you don't really know each other. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, getting of this. This kind of ties in with the ambassador thing, too. It's kind of the same idea. Sure. Um, but this kind of leads pretty well into the next point, which is letting your work speak for itself. So this is talking about basically making your, your product or your event or whatever it is, something that's worth buzzing about. Make it so that you become known for doing good work. You're not going to build buzz around doing the same generic shows or music or whatever as everyone else all of us have to start somewhere so you've got to do you've got to put in work and then constantly you know only focus on doing good things if you're not happy with something or you're you feel like you're doing something generic or has been done before then don't bother try doing something different if you're throwing an event and it's the same as somebody else's event what incentive are you giving people to attend it being known for good work is the most powerful tool in your DJ or promoting career. Even if you start with no reputation and have no real connections, building a quote-unquote portfolio of good work is a way that you prove yourself. You know, I want to build my reputation as someone who comes up with interesting things and ideas and tries to be useful. You know, I don't think that building buzz is a single individual project or or should be viewed as 
any one thing. It should be in kind of an ongoing commitment to giving quality work to a larger community. Be part of your own team. So yeah, being part of your own team, letting your work speak for itself, letting that buzz happen because it's worth the buzz. You know, if it's something that you become known for, this is talking about reputation, you know, um, something that three-dimensional has really got down, volume once right. again. You know, we're using our hometown examples here because these, these are people who have kind of figured this out to where you constantly deliver and people just automatically, it's a trust relationship. People just automatically know where to go for the good stuff. You know, and this, we, we kind of got down this rabbit hole of, of promoting events, but this, this applies to your DJing, Absolutely. your productions, you know, do something that has a reason to stand out. Right. You know. you know, not to toot my own horn, but I mean, I like to think that, you know, whenever I get booked for something, I, 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 I bring as much to any gig as, as I possibly can. And, you know, sometimes you fall short, you know, sometimes you don't feel a gig or you're not feeling a crowd or a crowd's not feeling you, you know, there's always those outliers. But one of the most awesome feelings for me is, you know, after I've played a show, especially a bigger show where there's, you know, been a decent amount of people, if I kill it that night, then all of a sudden that in itself you know, creates a little bit of buzz and then right. gets other people saying, Hey, I heard you killed it at the 3DM show. Hey, you want to pick up this or Hey, you want to pick up that? And, you know, even though I don't market myself and, and really push to play as often as I used to, you know, I still get to play, you know, at least, you know, half a dozen to a dozen solid gigs, you know, a year because, you know, of those, those monumental gigs that, uh, you know, are kind of act as the catalyst. Yeah. If I bring everything I got and I really lay it down, well then people remember that. And then they expect that going forward. So, you know, sometimes just being able to know that, you know, what you are putting out there is a quality product, you know, then other people will expect that of you too. And, and kind of helps you stand out, you know, in the midst of the sea of noise, like we talked about in the beginning of the, of the episode. Let's go ahead and go on to the next clip, which, uh, because I think it's going to be related. It's, uh, a quality over quantity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Rather than cranking out a whole bunch of generic content, why not truly focus on fewer, more awesome products? or events or whatever it is that you're doing. Personally, I've gone from, you know, as far as promotions go, I only throw a very occasional event. I'd much rather put focus on a couple of awesome ones. And I'm really trying to do that in my approach to everything that has to do with my DJing. I just don't, I don't want to crank out generic content. So it's, it's all down to, you know, filter down and focus. Focus on what it is that you're actually wanting to do and promote and do a few awesome things instead of hundreds of uninteresting things. So this might actually speak to the boat parties you were talking about, right. doing it too much. Right. Um, and also maybe even your first Fridays with three-dimensional. It's, you know, it was, it became, it was, it was just there just to do it, you know, and it wasn't as special anymore. And so you right. decided what things needed to stay and what things needed to go. Right. So that you are you're trimming your your portfolio. Right. And even bringing it back to like DJing, um, 
you know, everybody out there has a mix, you know, mm -hmm. and, and while it may be an obligatory part of being a DJ and promoting yourself, I mean, if you're a DJ and you don't have a mix, you know, yeah. then what are you actually pushing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, um, for example, um, I've got a buddy in Columbus, uh, that's part of a crew that I'm on, uh, called collective intelligence. Uh, his name is Carl and, uh, DJ Aria. And, um, he does a very unique set of mixes and they're, they're called mini mixes. And, you know, I think, I think he puts them out weekly, if not monthly. And it's just whatever drum and bass he's feeling. You know, and mm. it like and it, and they've always got some kind of a very well thought out theme, you know, so like uh, Jack, uh, Mr. Shifter was one of the founding members of uh, Random Movement. And um, so Random Movement, uh, Mike, you know, the, the remaining member was coming to Columbus for a show. So Carl put together a little mini mix of random movement stuff and then tagged Mike and Jack in these mixes and then pushed them all out. And, you know, and, and so it's, how long it, have you been doing that? Uh, for a while. Yeah. I mean, but, and, and it, and it, and it's always going over. Well, I mean, it, it's obviously well, it's a really smart approach. It, I mean, in right now climate. So, that, I mean, I've been wondering, like, was he doing that since 2004 oh or? no 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 yeah i'd say within the last year to two years i mean he may have been doing it longer than that but that's, that's when really i started noticing approach. it since yeah. attention spans went out the window <laughs> yeah no I, exactly <laughs> right. i mean that's that really is what i'm getting at I mean. yeah yeah um so i mean even though you know his quantity is there but the quality is there because of the amount of thought that he puts into something yeah. you know so like one might be a a totally neurofunk based you know mix or whatever but like there's always some really well thought out prepared you know um structure to these mixes that sometimes he tells you sometimes he doesn't but you know it's there and it's easily consumable nice yep. i like yep. that so speaking of quality over quantity and also like, scarcity mm -hmm. i mean do you do you guys think what are your thoughts on not taking every gig that happens in town because you don't want to oversaturate for Amen. yourself. It's something that I've been doing for a long time. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it it's was, something that I've just started doing. It yeah. was a hard thing for me to do because I love to play. I yeah. love mm -hmm. to play. And, you know... The more good house parties I have accessible to me, the more that helps because at least I can still get it out. <laughs> I like like nice. small little house party get-togethers and things like that. But like every club gig that comes at me and... and but I've, I've also been doing it, you know, well over two decades... Right, but just watering myself down, especially you get more love outside of your own city. It yeah. seems to be yeah. that way everywhere, you know. Right. And and when when I would play, it's just Tony playing again. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. It's uh, I'll see Tony next month or whatever, and you get all those people that normally come out to see you split up into four different shows now instead of. 100 people come to see you, it's like 20 people per show, and then it gets right. kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It gets um, discouraging. Stale. Mm, yeah, yeah. A little discouraging, stale, you know, and right. and I just, I, I tend to lose my, my, my feel and my creativeness when there's, you know, mm. instead of 100 down there dancing, there's 20 people down there. And don't right. get me wrong, it's still cool to see those people dancing and having a good time. Sure. But when you're 
in a club, you know, it's a little The different. more full the club is, the, yeah, the, the better the more the better, you feed off yeah, of it. Yeah, the more yeah, you yeah, feed yeah, off of sure. it. So, yeah, definitely I, I just stopped stopped taking every gig yeah, just specifically for that. That was a hard thing for me to do, though, because like I just said, it, it, <clears> I love to play. So, like, you know, if I have a chance to get on a set of decks, then, like, you know. I think there's a number of ways you can go about this, too, because, you know, disclaimer, we're we're all kind of coming at this from the nightclub performance right. type of, right, right, of right, DJ. Right. Um, you know, you could have a really killer resident DJ somewhere that does a, a really successful night, and that and that's, you know, quality and quantity at Absolutely. the same time. Absolutely. Know, we're yeah. not saying that you can't do that by any means. Right, especially, like, your, your top 40 or your... your uh, you know your dance or like your your more mainstream dance clubs yeah. and stuff like mm-hmm. that like, like bars yeah then it, or even are... the complete opposite spectrum like the really quirky yeah yeah side yeah. you know if you find if you can find your your place there right right <laughs> but uh you know whether that's playing jazz at a coffee shop or whatever you know you could still be really depending on what you consider success still be really successful at that right Okay, so the next point is to constantly exceed expectations. The best thing that you can do for generating buzz is to deliver on that buzz. Exceed expectations. If you succeed in building a bunch of buzz for an event and then you or whatever it is, I'm just I'm using events here, but it could be for a mix or a album or whatever. If you manage to generate some kind of social buzz, where whether it's word of mouth or you know social networking sites or whatever, and then you don't deliver on it, guess what's going to be twice as hard next time? That same buzz. Determine what it is that you're offering that people can't get elsewhere, or you know tell them why they should be interested in you and what you have to offer. Then deliver on it. And so if you think about the tools that are available to us now as far as promotions and things go with Twitter and Facebook and and all that and Instagram and how we just waste those tools. We just become part of the noise. So if you just deliver what you say you're going to deliver, people will start to take you seriously and that will go leaps and bounds towards promoting further events and then kind of, you know, give you that Apple effect where people just buy into your brand now because they know you're going to give them what they want. That Apple effect trip. <laughs> As we all sit here with Max in our laps. <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of the, the, that's what I mean by hype. Hype is like what happens before the event and there's nothing to it. You know, you're just, look how awesome my empty dance floor, <laughs> nobody here venue with crappy sound is, you know. Right, right, right. And then, but on the other side of that buzz is what happens when you do have your shit together and you nail it right and then everybody talks about it yep you know yeah because um, buzz doesn't always have to be what happens leading up to it's right so always it, it also always it's encompasses momentum. what's even after, after what, the effect yeah, exactly we do that um after a show you know we wait a specific time we have our videographer we have our photographer at the show um the videographer, you know, if the show's on Saturday, depending on, you know, his schedule, sometimes we have the edited version ready to throw out there by Wednesday or Thursday the following. And, you know, so we'll launch the video, the recap video or photos, whichever come first. But we do those in two separate launches. So that buzz mm-hmm. 
is Keeps still going, yeah. going yep. you know, a week or two weeks after, you know. Yep, you always make it a point to make, you know, you post all the pictures, all the professional pictures, it's some curated form of that all at once and you right. you know have people start tagging everybody and yeah it's like every every little thing is its own little launch yeah we we did the same going. thing with the boat parties where we would yeah. like on the dock um we we would set up photo booths you know and uh so shout out to uh snyder smith and and his wife jen and um and her friend aaron they the is some combination of the three of them would always come up with like some kind of like uh photo booth or you know backdrops and and props and and all of that stuff that would always go with the theme of our parties you know so like you know we would always do like one of them was poseidon you know so like you know so like you know there's people that show up with you know tridents and you know all that stuff but but like so then they would be there and they would be taking professional yeah. pictures and and to tony's point you know a week to two weeks later you know once they've all been edited and watermarked and all that stuff then we would release those albums and say hey go check out these photos if you see your friends tag them and all of that stuff so then that creates all of those connections and then when yep. people see those then they share the photos and then that helps lead up to the next party for and, sure. then, and if that happens just a couple days after the event you know mm-hmm. give it just a little bit of space right then it's it's just enough to kind of just help sear that memory <laughs> of that night in. You know what I mean? You, you revisit it a couple of days. Oh man, yeah, that Saturday was awesome. Right. You know, it's just it's just a little extra push. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. What's what's cool is when I see uh, people talking about Green Velvet playing for four hours. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, Mike Donovan's events. Um, when you see f- photos after those events and everybody's eyes are closed and their hands are up yeah. and just smiles on it's their like church. faces. Right. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's like, wow. I, you know, even if you didn't go to that show, you know exactly what that person was and those right. people were feeling. Right. And that creates that buzz. Like, wow, if that vibe was in that room, you know, I wonder what the next show is going to be exactly. like. And exactly. You want to go check that out. All right. Reward your supporters. Mm-hmm. So this is going to talk about building a community around your fan base that already exists. So let's give it a listen. Provide some level of exclusivity to certain people, especially your key fans, your ambassadors, your people who are going to be there and have your back and really support what you're doing. Give them special access to things. You know, this is this is what the VIP list should actually be for in my opinion if you if you have an event. This should be people who have earned access because of their support or their, you know, being helpful or just coming out to shows or workers. I mean, the the VIP list has kind of in the modern day become this sort of like you're just paying for some level of elitism which just lets you be in a different place than the rest of the crowd i think that you should truly treat certain people like vips if they've earned it because that makes them want to continue having that privileged position and that that doesn't just apply to events that can apply to releasing music so one good way to do that is to you know maybe get your five or ten people that are following you and supporting you and say, hey, I've got this email list. You know, if you've got a website, start an email list. There's a lot of power in an email list. And the reason is the people on your email list are the ones who are supporting you enough 
to where they're willing to give you their email address. I mean, if you think about what that really means, they're trusting you to not spam them. They're like, I'm going to get something valuable out of this. They're going to be your supporters. So if you can get your key fans to sign up for an email list, just for an example, you could do this a number of ways. You could make them part of a, an elite Facebook group or, or whatever, or just put them on some kind of list, give them early access to things, get their feedback on it, and you're generating small buzz, but you're generating buzz amongst people that really matter. And eventually, as you grow that amount of people, suddenly maybe you'll have a 100 people or a 1,000 people who are really interested in what you have to offer them, and they're part of this elite club, they're more likely to pay attention to it because they've opted into it. So yeah, rewarding those people that are that have been supporting you, that have been down from day one, you know, make them feel as special and and as important as they are to you and your brand, whether that's throwing shows or DJing or selling albums or whatever it is. Right. Um, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and, and it's important to know that everybody is motivated by different things, you know, so some people are monetarily uh, mm-hmm. motivated. Those, and, and honestly, those are probably the easiest people to, uh, to appease because whether it's money or whether it's, you know, give me something tangible, you know, yeah. th- th- that's what I'm really getting at is, is the people who are motivated by receiving something tangible. You know, if you just yes. give them something, then, you know, okay, you know, those, those are the easy people to, to really appease and, and to keep on your side. It's the other part of what, what that point was that you were making. That's, that's the difficult part. And where a lot of people fall short is that, you know, when you're building a community, that means you have to be a part of the community that right. you're building. So that means taking the time to answer emails and, and, and talk to people and, 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 and really cultivate these personal relationships, especially with the people who are going to be your ambassadors. Or even just acknowledge them like in person right. if you're playing right. to a crowd and, and you know, if you're playing to an empty room and there are five people in there dancing, go and shake those people's Absolutely. hands. Go that's, thank them. That's one of the that's one of the, the the things that I try to make a habit. Um, you know, I I think I think I know for a fact Tony's seen me do it. You know, there's been some of those nights, you know, I mean, we've all played them, you know, where there's five people on a dance floor. But if I was feeling them because they were feeling me and those five people were actually dancing. Well, okay. Yeah. I'm going to play to those five people. And then I've when, built long-term fans that way. No, right. And to, then to, to those five people, because either, I mean, they dug what I was doing, but I also took the time to just acknowledge their existence. Right. And so many people don't do that. Right. And, and that's what I'll do. Even if, you know, the next DJ is already on and they're vibing to that and they're dancing to that. They may not even recognize me after <laughs> I've, you know, put my hoodie on and grabbed my backpack and then I've disappeared back into the crowd because that's how I do, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, going up to them, shaking hands and saying, hey, thanks for thanks for dancing. That's and that's 90 percent of the time. I don't even introduce myself. I don't say what my name is unless they ask, you know, it's just Thank you for dancing. You know, hope to catch you at the next one. And and I've I have found that they tend to come back around and find me again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our final tip for today on building buzz instead of hype is to just do it, to just 
get out and start doing stuff. All right. So this is going to serve as our outro, guys. So thank you so much, and we will see you guys next week. Take care, keep on spinning, and build that buzz. The best thing that you can do when it comes to basically any of the stuff that we talk about on the podcast or the blog or, or whatever, but just get off the couch and do stuff. Do something. Try new things and find what works. There's a popular saying, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Take the example of throwing an event again. If you throw an event and it doesn't really go through and it doesn't generate the buzz that you want it to, try something new. Come up with something new for your next event that you throw and try it. Maybe try a giveaway, try a VIP list, try you know marketing it in a different way. It doesn't necessarily matter what it is that you do or try as long as you're trying something. You know, you're never going to learn until you fail early and fail often. Um, eventually, you'll find your audience and people who want to hear what you have to offer them. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and keep your eyes peeled for some interviews coming up on the podcast as well as some great new posts. And don't forget that you can reach us at Twitter on at DJ with Passion on Facebook at facebook.com slash passionate DJ. Also, we talked about email lists. Feel free to visit the blog and join my email. I call it the VIP list um, for exclusive kind of content and messages and stories that you can't get anywhere else. So thank you guys so much and keep on spinning. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. Uh-huh.